Good morning, everyone. Welcome. So as I mentioned last night, we had a nice discussion last night about prayer, thanks to Pranada Dasi, who ventured to ask about it. And um, as I was saying, I had been asked to speak also, or uh, encouraged to, uh, about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Pogandalila. So, we turn to Chaitanya Charitamrita, Sri Krishnadas Kabiraj Kusami Mahashaya Ki Jai, Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai, in which uh, one of the chapters in the Adi Lila, the 15th chapter, is dedicated to a summary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leelas during the age of Poganda. Because you know Krishna's ages are divided into into three. Kumar, Poganda, and Kishore. And he never ages beyond Kishore, which is uh, the age of adolescence. Typically, in the classical uh, uh, um, Kavya, Rasa Shastras of of the secular uh, world and uh, the uh, these ages are from one to five, Kumar, five to ten, Boganda, and uh, ten to sixteen is the Kishore. For Krishna, then it's a little different because he's uh, uh, said to be like some princes who are mature for their age. Maybe ordinary people also um, are sometimes mature for their age. So it is the case with Krishna, and his, and his uh, Kumar Lila goes from one to three and a half, excuse me, and then his Pogonda Lila, his childhood Lila, boyhood Lila, adolescence, so his boyhood Lila or Pogonda Lila goes from three and a half to about six and a half years, and then his uh, Kishore Lila begins, and as I say, he never ages beyond uh, sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> the uh, at the same time, these three divisions of ages have three divisions, each of them. Basically, they have Seishmadim and se- uh, Adi Seishmadim, beginning, middle, and end. So um, it's, uh, it's uh, inspiring to see the extent to which uh, our teachers like Rupa Goswami have examined such details uh, to divide up, in this case, for example, the uh, boyhood of Krishna within three different sections and descriptions of the Adi or the beginning of the Paganda in terms of his bodily characteristics, features, and so forth. Those of the middle of his Paganda, those of the uh, end of his Poganda. They are fascinated with uh, every aspect um, of uh, Govinda. Mm. What activities pertain to the, the beginning, middle, and end, and so forth, and so on. Now, 
uh, our subject here is, of course, about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So you may wonder why I'm speaking about Krishna. Not too much. <laughs> but they are one and same. Really, the uh, as I've many times mentioned, the Krishna Leela is not um, complete in itself without uh, the extension of Gaur-lila, because there's something that occurs in the um, at, at the high point, really, the zenith of the Krishna Leela that requires the necessity of an extension of the Leela that turns Vrindavan kind of upside down. Hmm? And that is, of course, Krishna seeing, experiencing, um, as he sought to, uh, the measure of the gopis' love for him, and Radha in particular, he sought that by... Uh, disappearing from them in the midst of their uh, union in the Rasalila. And of course, it is said that uh, separation makes the heart grow fonder, so their hearts grew fonder. And he uh, bore witness to it in hiding. And he was drawn out of hiding by the the measure, the, the the extent of it, and humbled by it, and uh, really uh, submitted himself uh, before them, and uh, told them that although he has said, or it is is his challenge, that those who approach me, however they do, I can reciprocate in kind. The way in which you have approached me is such that I cannot reciprocate in the same uh, welcome measure. That makes their love very extraordinary, to say the least. And um, while he, on the one hand, uh, then... tries to make up for uh, his inadequacy, if you will, by way of um, vowing, really, this is in, 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 in Bhagavad, in Rasalila, uh, if you look carefully at, at the language there, uh, vowing to, he's bowing, first of all, to their sadhuness, their saintliness, and, um, and proclaims that, or vows, that um, he will have to uh, take birth as a sadhu himself and make devotees for them, hmm? make devotees of the gopis. <laughs> once in a day, once a, I would say once, you know, once in every day of Brahma. Hmm? So this is, of course, the 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 birth, if you will, uh, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Now, in the context of making this commitment. Uh, in trying to make up for his shortcoming, he also psychologically wants to make up for his shortcoming on a personal level in terms of his own experience and uh, kind of reassure himself as to his supreme position, which is proclaimed everywhere but is in doubt to some extent when he realizes that I am, and this is how he is supreme, we said, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Sumati offered a verse to us last night, the line from a verse that's the key 
particularly understanding the tattva of the Bhagavatam, that Aham Sabrasis is said in the Gita, Prabhupada Matasa from Prabhupada, everything comes from me, I'm the bottom line, so to speak, and the buck stops with me, there's nothing beyond me, everything's within me, and so forth. Um, and the way in which uh, the Goswamis artfully and thoughtfully have gone about uh, uh, to uh, seeking to establish that and um, share that uh, important idea with others is by looking at him through the lens of aesthetics and um, the fact that Krishna has a capacity to reciprocate in love that exceeds that of the other uh, manifestations of divinity, like Buddha, uh, um, uh, Vraha, Kurma, uh, Narayan, hmm? um, and uh, and so through the Brajalila, where we find intimate love, Krishna's friends, yeah, Krishna's lovers, and so forth. This is un, unheard of in uh, in Vaikuntha, where the love is reverential, right? Um, so uh, it's a wise perspective that they have uh, uh, offered us, looking at divinity through the lens of aesthetics or, for, or loving uh, reciprocation and concluded that uh, Krishna is the fountainhead of the capacity to reciprocate, um, so he must be the, the, uh, the, 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 the fountain of divinity, and they have dubbed him appropriately Rasaraj, the king of Rasa. Hmm? Rasa, of course, is a word that is found in the Upanishads that they have drawn on uh, substantially, uh, there it is said in the Taitareya Upanishad that, uh, that, among other things, Brahman is rasa, rasovai saha. Hmm. So they've taken this as a shruti uh, reference to build upon their whole um, story, hmm, if you will, the story of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and for Bhagawan, uh, the absolute to be rasa, then the implication is also there must be two aspects to the absolute, because as we heard a couple nights back, rasa has, among other things, uh, uh, the ingredients of an object of love, and obviously the vessel of the love itself. The two are one and different. You have an object of love you have to have yourself who has an object of love that you love and the object of love to be loved has to well there has to be lover so so Radha and Krishna is the is the implication these are the the absolute uh, truth if you will from the Gaudiya perspective and if we look closely at it as we are at the moment um, in terms of the Bhagavatam's being the section being the genesis of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu we find that Krishna's position as the Rasaraj is kind of in question in his own mind because he sees that Radha's capacity to taste Rasa exceeds his own. Hmm? He's trying to make up for it in one sense, as I explained, but he's trying to make up for it in terms of his own doubts about himself, that uh, everyone sees me, but this is the secret, 
really, that uh, they see me as the worship, most worshipable object, but I see Radha as a worshipable object of myself. So, so in the extension of his own Leela, he tries to make up for that or, or to experience himself from her vantage point. He does, as I've often explained, realize that what it is in her that drives him mad and makes her worshipable to him is actually something that resides in himself that she experiences from her vantage point that he cannot. So he needs to see himself from her vantage point. That's a pretty big task. It's not as easy as a transgender, you know, type of um, arrangement in modern society. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's more difficult than that. But he's a very capable person. So uh, that then is the extension of his uh, of his leela, Gore leela. Hmm. It's not a different leela from Krishna leela. Um, it's fulfilling. It's it's making up for uh, as high as the Christian Leela goes. There's some shortcoming from Krishna's vantage point, some problem, so he compensates for it. Mm-hmm. So, point being, anyway, uh, a little bit around about explanation. And of course, you know it well. If we're going to talk about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we're going to talk about Krishna because the two are one. They're one, and they're they're different. It's Krishna. If you look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu carefully, um, we say if you look at Krishna very carefully, you'll see he's closely, through the study of the scriptures, you see he's not alone. He's really fully himself standing next to Radha. Hmm? And if we look closely at Radha and Krishna, we see that the two want to unite, Hmm? not in a static way, uh, an enfolding of Radha, the Sarup Shakti Mahabhav Sarupani back into Krishna. When the Sarup Shakti is do- is kind of, I want to say, dormant within Krishna or, or lying within him, he can't uh, um, sometimes uh, example has been given of sugar is sweet but it can't taste itself. Um, uh, if you... Um, Breathe, it's one thing, but if you breathe into a flute, it's another thing. Hmm? Something like that. So he manifests his Sarup Shakti outside of himself, so to speak, embodied as Radha. Hmm? Then the two want to unite. They don't want to go back to the previous condition. So this is a, a different type of union. Radha Krishna Pranay Bhakti Ladini Shakti So Radha is the transformation of Krishna's love. The transformation means from within himself, his Sarup Shakti, uh, to manifest it externally that he can take advantage of it. I mean, imagine if you had the power to manifest your different emotions as different persons and so on and so forth. Uh, um, We do, in a sense, as much as we read other people in terms of our own perspective and how they affect us. and We don't see them often for who they are, but how we've feel about them or how they make us feel and so, so forth. So it's taking it kind of to another another level. <clears throat> and in this case, um, it's his own his own his own uh, his internal power. This is the power or uh, a potency Shakti that uh, follows him everywhere like a shadow, so in tune with him that it anticipates 
his his desires, what he would like to do next. He's 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 a constant like a daydreamer, and all his dreams are happening, and it's happening by the agency of Mr. Rup Shakti, who's so like tuned into him. It said that there, are, Prabhupada used to say there. I think he would say there's three kinds of disciples, right? One who anticipates what the guru is wanting before he or she even voices it. And the second class disciple carries out the uh, the desire of the guru upon being informed of it, and the third class even being told what he wants. He doesn't doesn't do it or does something else. It's not good. We don't want to be on that platform. Uh, so she is his best disciple, his Shakti, and she knows is anticipating his every move and facilitating that. This is uh, different then, obviously, from Mr. Tasta Shakti, who can can wander uh, to the, if you will, uh, the influence of the Maya Shakti. And then the Maya Shakti is is different as well. Maya Shakti is, all these Shaktis are one and different from Krishna, but Maya Shakti is more different than one. Sarup Shakti is more one than different. and We're kind of more one, but we can be kind of more different too, if we if we lend ourselves to the influence of the, of the material nature, we won't be generous, we won't be kind, our heart won't become soft by that. Hmm? We'll become more like a stone, more like matter itself that Maya Shakti is constituted of, not thinking well, hmm? but to speak of thinking broadly, kindly, and so forth. Hmm? So... Um, <clears throat> While we, while we say, as the Goswamis have told us, since Kesarup Dhamma Goswami, that Radha is a transformation of Krishna's love. So if you look carefully at Krishna, through the texts, I mean, you're, 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 and in your practice, you're going to see that he's full, standing next to Radha. Then he, then if you look even more closely, what do you find? You find that these two, that have become, the one who, the one who has become two, are trying to become one. You know, not in the same way as I said, but to reverse, but in a new, di- in a dynamic way. As uh, lovers, that's what we, we try to do. We love someone, it means we're one with them, to whatever extent. means their desires become our desires. So we exchange hearts, stay in the same body, but we exchange hearts. Whatever is your heart's desire, that becomes mine. Whatever is my heart's desire, that becomes yours. So there's a, love is, a, is about uh, oneness in a sense. Of course, it's a dynamic oneness, not a oneness that cancels out the two. And this is very beautifully brought out, of course, in Chaitanya Vaishnavism, because the union of the two in love, Radha and Krishna, turns into a new thing, that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? It resolves a problem that results from the union, because when Radha and Krishna become unified, as much as they can in Madanakya Mahabhav, which is the Sambhog aspect of Mahabhav, the union, union, union aspect of the highest love, then uh, they, Radha is so much thinking of Krishna, Krishna is so much thinking of Radha, that Radha starts to think she's Krishna, and, and Krishna starts to think she's Radha, and now they're divided again. So this, it's actually, this Mahadanakya Mahabhav is like filled with union and separation all at once. It's this very confusing affair for them. Um, so anyway, the attempt to become one 
is is made problematic, but resolved in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Hmm. In a third idea, and it, and it overflows to uh, benedict all of us, hmm? such as the uh, bountiful uh, nature of Gaur Leela, which again is rising out of Krishna Leela. So these are inter intertwined. We can say first the gift, we all bow to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, first the giver, excuse me, then the gift. Hmm? Um, so deference to, to, to Gaur Leela may be there as a way to attain the gift. Oftentimes that what the gift is, is the, our appreciation of the gift is superseded by our appreciation of the giver. Hmm? Right. Oh, you know, it's the thought. I didn't need it, or I didn't even want it, but it's the thought. Hmm? And uh, you had the thought, so appreciation of the giver exceeds the appreciation of the gift. We can say, the gift is great in this case, though. It's 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 Krishna Leela. Hmm? Uh, yes, it's 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 great. Uh, so does the gift exceed the giver? Does the Krishna Leela exceed? Gaur Leela? Uh, no, because if deeply, because you go into Krishna Leela, you find yourself in Gaur Leela. So, so it's very special. Gaur Leela, very special. And, uh, of course, you can't talk about it, as I'm saying, this is my main point thus far, without talking about, uh, Krishna. We've talked a little bit just briefly about the visions in Krishna's Poganda Leela. Poganda Leela being the subject. Poganda is the boyhood Leela of Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has a boyhood Leela. The Goswamis, in this case, uh, really, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami uh, has not made those that kind of fine, uh, very um, focused uh, analysis of the uh, Poganda Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not describing his the differences in his his bodily appearance as he ages within the Poganda, as I said, Rupa Goswami has of Krishna. Um, but uh, his predecessor, Vrindabhandas, has gone into more depth um, with regard to the Poganda Leela, which is a, a Navadvipa Leela. Krishnadas is more concerned with the later Leelas, deferring to Vrindabhandas, who's done such a good job hmm, of relating the early Leelas in particular. This was the... His, his uh, narrative was the preoccupation of the Goswamis, uh, the sadhus, the Vaishnavas of Vrindavan. Hmm? Um, and when Krishnadas came, um, given his background, um, uh, and his familiarity, as it turned out, with the works of uh, uh, Sarup uh, Damodar and Raghunathas, they asked him to write about Chaitanya Leela with some emphasis on the later Leelas, which is very useful for us because the later, later, later leaders are, are much involved with, with teaching how to enter into the early Leelas, hmm? into the Navadvip Leelas. Hmm? Of course, um, that's, and that's the speciality, if you will, of Vrindabhandasa's work. Of course, he's speaking about the Prakat Leela, the manifest Leela. It's very complicated, isn't it? There's an unmanifest Leela as well. So this Poganda Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as is the case with the Poganda Leela of Krishna and the Kumar Leelas as well, these are 
leelas that are relative to the manifest leela and to Navadweep and Vrindavan, respectfully. So, the Kishore leela of Krishna and of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu extends to his, to the, to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Madhya leela and his, 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 uh, his Auntie leela, his Sannyas leela, if you will, and Krishna leela, Krishna's Matura leela and Dwarka leela, he's a Kishore there as, as well. But the Poganda and the Kumar leelas, uh, our subject being the Pokonda Lila, is only in Navadweep for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, only in, in Vrindavan, and only in the manifest Lila. So in the unmanifest Lila, it means in Goloka, then Krishna is a Kishore, and there is Gor Kishore. Gor Kishore Kijai. <laughs> and uh, the Kishore Lila is, of course, thought to be, age ought to be more complete in one sense, because whatever are the excellences of the Kumar Leela are extended into the Poganda Leela, making it more excellent amongst being perfectly excellent. <laughs> there is a, just like it said, Dwarka is perfect, the Dwarka Leela of Krishna is perfect. What about the Matura Leela? Oh, it's more perfect. What about the Vrindavan Leela of Krishna, Pastor Leela? That is most perfect. Hmm? So, to keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, so, certainly the excellences of the Pogoni Lila, which include the excellences of the Kumar Lila, are present in the Kishore Lila and something more. So you can look at the Kishore Krishna, hmm, Ingolok, and see his Pogoni self there as well, see his Kumar self there as well. And, and that's one of the reasons that it is the he's a Nitya Kishore. It means refers to his, his Nitya Lila. Krishna and Gorkishore, both. Mm-hmm. So, um, so here, Vrindavan Das just gives a very, uh, or excuse me, Krishna Das gives a brief summary of the Pogoni Lila of, of, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And it's focused uh, largely, uh, he begins what appropriately, he says, Pogonda Lilar Sutra Kori Eganan, Pogonda Bayasye Prabhur. Mukya Adhyayan. Let me enumerate the uh, activities of the Poganda Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he says, Prabhur Mukya Adhyayan. Prabhu's Mukya main um, preoccupation, the center, if you will, we should go there, of his Poganda Lila is his education, his studies. Hmm? Krishna, in contrast, his main preoccupation in his Pogandalila is cowherding. These seem like very, very different affairs. Hmm? The study and and the extent of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's study, he's a Brahmin. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was born as the son of Jagannath uh, Mishra and, and, and Sachi, and he's a, a, a Brahmin boy. And, uh, and so his tendency for study is, is, is as pressing in him as Krishna's pressed to, to herd cows. Hmm? And accordingly, both just as Nanda Maharaj in particular, 
is resists Krishna's uh, urge, drive to herd cows because it will mean he's gone all day in the forest and what might happen to him and 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 any parent resists a little bit their 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 son or daughter growing up and getting a mind of their own <laughs> so to speak um, ultimately we 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 love them so we allow it to happen and hope for the best of course they they are ourself right they are a very extensive extension of ourself and what what could you know replace in the life of a mother first seeing her son was inside and now he's outside there that's a pretty uh, I would imagine I'm having experiences you can imagine you can guess but a traumatic uh, life changing kind of uh, experience son or daughter hmm. um, and so you know there's a tendency to want to keep them as as uh, as, as, as sons or daughters uh, as a child as my child hmm, rather than in other words, the motherhood, the fatherhood, is most prominently experienced in the childhood uh, of their offspring rather than in their boyhood or their adolescence. Hmm? So there's some resistance on Nanda Maharaj's part, and you showed him, I also, for Krishna going and cowherding. Uh, ultimately, you know, at that point, Krishna starts hanging out with, Nand, with Nanda Maharaj's brothers, Hmm? Upananda, Sunanda, Sanat, Sananda, Nandan, and so forth. He has four other brothers. So it's typical that when a young boy um, wants to do something that his parents don't really want him to do, he tries to get some support from like the grandparents who are real soft, you know. <laughs> They're real soft. Uh, on, on whatever his desires are, they're having a relapse, you know, <laughs> and uh, and uncles and so forth. Now the boy wants to spend more time with the uncles, so they're like, "Hey, come on, that's great," you know, or, or the grandparents, this may be the case, and so they're going to support him, hmm, where the parents may have some resistance. So, so uh, he. Nanda Maharaj notices Krishna's hanging out with his uncles. What's with that? You know, he spends more time than with them than he does with us, and so he has to uh, confront them. And of course, they confront him. You know, Krishna wants to be a cowherder, which is like, in one sense, is like deafening to him. Like, oh my God! But, but of course, he, you know, like any good parent, he 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 grows with it. He, he and as he harnesses it, and then he musters up enough. Uh, hopefully, strength to now he's got a huge task to sell it to his wife. <laughs> uh, you know, he, <laughs> it's a big, uh, big task for him. Hmm? And they, they they get by a little bit by coming to some like in between. This is uh, let him be a calf herder. Hmm? So first, this is actually just prior to the Kumari, the Puganda age, the Seish Kumar, the end of the Kumar, he is starting to come. So they make him, a, they let him be a calf herder, hang around with the calves because they they stay here. The, the parent, the, the full 
cows go out and then they come back in the evening. Otherwise, if the calves are with them all day, then they'll be drinking all their milk and the milk is our livelihood and so forth. So he can stay around and he can, he can be a play cow herd. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, uh, of course, he does get out you know, beyond the, the, the fenced-in area. Uh, that's the whole of the, of the Agasur and Brahmavimohan Leela. Uh, he's a pretty good calf herder. And it, 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 but at that point, then comes the Dainukasur Leela, the, the, the 15th chapter, the 10th chapter, uh, Canto of the Bhagavatam, which is all about his Boganda Leela in, in, in summary from the beginning to the end, to the beginning and the middle and the end, and the middle and the end, the middle of his Pogandalila, he starts to get the Kishore romantic aspirations. And in the, in the, in the end, the Seish Pogandalila, and then he enters into the Kishore Leela. So they, that, that middle Leela of the Pogandalila of Krishna is especially attractive to Krishna's Narmasakas who are um, involved with his uh, romantic life, assisting him, that middle and the end of the Pogandalila. So, anyway, cowherding, uh, it's very, uh, from a from a Varnashram uh, perspective, it's like uh, the other opposite end of the spectrum, practically, hmm, from the uh, the Brahmins. It's, it's the Vaishya versus the Brahmin, and Brahmins are very studious and uh, clean and cowherds are uneducated and not that clean either <laughs> because they've got a lot of cleaning that they're involved in all the time. <laughs> cow, cow taking care of is a bit, uh, a bit messy. Hmm? So, uh, it, 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 and who you associate with is what you become like also. So, um, cows are kind of, you know, I don't want to say dull, but they're cows, you know, so... <laughs> associate with with animals then you become a little bit like animals which not that bad of a thing necessarily so 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 there seems anyway to be a big uh, difference between the 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 brahminical and uh, preoccupation of chaitanya mahaprabhu and his pogandalila his his concern with education is as much of a drive for him as it is uh, as cowherding is for for govinda but the two are not necessarily that different. We should look at that, but perhaps preface it with the fact that uh, that Nandamara, that Jagannath Mishra, who is the Nandamaraj of Gorlila, he also had some resistance to the education of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Just that, as Nandamara had some resistance to um, uh, Krishna's becoming a cowherd. For different reasons, we have to we'll have to go into that. But let's look a little bit at the apparent difference, uh, because we were making a case that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna. That's what we do as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, and this could be. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> one's a cowherd boy. You know, one's a Brahmin. Hmm? One plays the flute, and uh, and he's a playboy. The other guy's an aesthetic, ascetic, and a sannyasi, and. Uh, uh, carrying the danda, which uh, that, that, they don't they don't look the same to me. They're quite quite different. So our task is has to you know, show the uh, uh, resolve the apparent contradictions, right? Hmm. So really, it's uh, the, the yes, education and cowherding they go together. And as much as really education 
education culminates in worship. If your education and your learning does not end end up in worship, then you have not understood the 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 you know not reached the pinnacle of of learning, of knowledge, nor have you understood the highest of secrets, and and, and that that is the secret. Krishna says it in the Gita, right? Rajavidya, Rajaguyam. Hmm? He's going to speak. He says in the ninth chapter at the onset about the king of knowledge and the, the king of secrets. Hmm? And as it turns out, the king of knowledge is the king of secrets as well. In other words, the highest end of knowledge, as explained there, in the center of the book, the Gita, is bhakti, is worship, hmm? um, is love. Hmm? Love is the end of knowledge. And, and of course, the kind then there's there may be measures of love as well, and in the Gita, in that ninth chapter, is um, about ultimately ananya bhakti, hmm? uh, uttam bhakti, and and as it overflows, if you will, it's very Krishna is very emotional in the ninth chapter and in, in, in the later part where he really starts speaking about ananya bhakti, about his devotees. It, it doesn't matter if they offer me a fruit, a flower. A leaf, not a bunch of them, or not all of them. Just with love, I accept it. I eat it. Uh, I uh, even if it's a, fl- a flower, even if it's a banana peel. In the case of Vidura's wife, rather than the banana, offered in her bewilderment of her ecstasy, hmm, that I would that I would come before her and uh, ignore the feast of Duryodhan and enter her house instead because. Although she hasn't got any material qualification by comparison to the to the royalty, she's my devotee. Mm-hmm. It doesn't require any material qualification. It's all counterfeit currency. It has no purchasing power in a land beyond beyond death. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, so he gets very emotional. He, he says that uh, what does he say? Apichet racharo bhajate mamanandibak. And people think, think uh, this is where Krishna is delusional here. It's true. He's delusional. He says, my devotees are such that even if, if they are faulty, but they're my devotees, they're properly situated, then chipram bhavati dharmatma sasvachantanagachati kontaya prajani nami bhakta pranashati if you glorify their faults, he says, that'll be good for you. Hmm? Hmm. Of course, this means the faults of real devotees. Hmm? Hmm. Like the gopis' faults. Hmm? They were yeah, not supposed to rendezvous with a young boy in the middle of the forest at night. There's an apparent discrepancy. I mean... Even Raj Parikshit Marsh thought, this all sounds good, it's very sweet, but I've got a, you know, like, my head is swelling a little bit too. Here, you're, what you're talking about in the Rasa Leela, he says to the, to the, to the sage, Sukhamuni, that is, is about the prince, the, the, the setu, what does he say, uh, uh, Dharma Setu, the bridge of Dharma by which we can walk over the the the, the, the river of uh, you know material existence is 
consorting with the wives of other people. I mean, how are we going to sell this? He more or less says, I, I get it, but how are we going to sell this to the public? This is a very extraordinary idea. Sukadev gives him some suggestions. One of his suggestions is that great people can do things that other people can't. Hmm? Hmm. Um, here a great person is Krishna who has no no uh, selfishness within him. Material life means selfishness, self-concerns. Hmm? His concern is he's living really only for his devotees. He's carved, chiseled the form of Krishna out of out of their uh, love. Hmm? That's what he's made out of. Again, the love of Krishna and Krishna are one and different. So he's really living only for them. I, obviously he looks like the enjoyer, and he is, but in the context of himself being the enjoyer, he's fulfilling all the desires of the, of the devotees. It's like I've given an example of Bhagavatam, gives example of the root of the tree. It's nourishing the whole tree. You can pour the water on the roots, right? But it shows up on the tree. Hmm? So, if you glorify Krishna, if you try to beautify Krishna by ornamenting his arch of Igraha, hmm? by chanting his name, what is the result? You become beautiful. Hmm? How beautiful do you become? What you will have the ornaments of uh, humility, tolerance, no desire for self um, prestige or honor, uh, a, a natural tendency to, to offer honors to others, honor to others. Trinadopi sunijena torodopi seishtana amaninamanadena kirtaniya sadahari. This is the uh, this is the way, in the context of chanting, kirtan, this is the way hmm, to to pray Mahaprabhu. You've got to get to this interim part here, hmm, where you become decorated with humility, like a blade of grass, tolerance like the tree, hmm, no expectation of honor for yourself. I'm a senior devotee. Hmm? That we should chase that thought away. <laughs> right. Uh, then we'll, Then everybody would think, He's a senior devotee. Mm. <laughs> so that's the beauty of this thing. Right? It works in, in, in reverse, if you will. Mm. Uh, uh, so, what was the point? So, uh, so, pardon? Yeah, so Krishna's emotional in the Gita. But uh, the, the point is that if we, uh, I mean, if we worship Krishna, if we give to Him, it it, it all comes back to us, hmm? right? So uh, He He uh, is very emotional in this end of the chapter of the Gita. He's glorifying His His devotees in extreme ways, and it overflows a little bit into the tenth chapter where uh, he keeps on speaking, and then the essential verses of the Gita are found there, and it's all about rag-bhakti, about the Vrindavan type of uh, of bhakti. Hmm? So, point being that in the middle of the Gita there, right there, Krishna says, I'm going to speak to you about Rajavidya, Rajaguyam, the, the king of knowledge, the king of secrets, and it's bhakti, and it's the bhakti of Vrindavan, uh, which means that knowledge culminates in, in worship. 
in 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 love. Hmm? Um, otherwise, it, it rings hollow. If it if it's just between the ears, we don't allow it to go in and, and change our hearts. Then, um, then as I say, it's 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 hollow. So we're talking about how education, if you will, and cow herding are not that different. So let's take, for example, in um, Lagu Bhagavatamrita, his commentary on Lagu Bhagavatamrita is a book by Rupa Goswami about Krishna being the, the supreme form, the fountainhead of divinity, by way of speaking about every other manifestation of divinity in, and in perspective in relation to Krishna. And the great Baladid Vidyabhushan uh, has a com- written a commentary on the book. When uh, Krishna is glorified by Rupa Goswami as the cowherd, Gopal, and so forth, um, Baladev says, now we shouldn't think, we, this is, you know, we don't think like this particularly, but he, in, the, in the time you have to reflect back. Uh, uh, they're, they're making a case that, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and typically that which is uh, thought to be supreme, educate, uh, exalted, and so forth, is going in the other direction from, from the from cowherding type of engagement to, again, learned person, a statesman maybe of Krishna, the Krishna is in, 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 in the Gita at, at times, speaking Upanishadic wisdom and so forth. We can relate to that, but that he's a coward would come up in ordinary people's minds in, in the subcontinent of India's, well, that's kind of like a lowly, uh, uneducated, uh, we're going to find our God in, in, in that position? Uh, uh, so he makes the comments that we shouldn't think that the cowherding is a lowly affair. Gosukti says, the, cow, the sacrifice is born from cows. Hmm? The Vedas were uh, expanded uh, uh, from cows. Uh, and, and similar type of statements uh, he, he draws from um, such texts as to the extraordinary, the, all the devas are contained within the cows. And these are not like, uh, like superstitious ideas, really, as to the virtue of the cow. It's very uh, practical, as we know, that the cow's contribution to human civilization is so great that, that civilization comes about by cows. If you want to look from a modern perspective, then people are thought to have moved from hunting and gathering to agrarian life to industrial life, all with a view to feed themselves. Better ways to feed yourself and your family, right? So hunting and gathering, that's one way, problematic. Um, And with the domestication of animals, and the cow in particular, then you turn from hunting and uh, gathering to agrarian life, where the bull can pull the plow, right, and the cow can provide milk in abundance, which is uh, kind of the, the blood of the cow transformed. And if you were to uh, deal otherwise with the cow to eat her, then it would you know last for a winter and it'd be over. But uh, but by milking her, it's more gentle and uh, and you can get more food, right? 
And with the bull, you get the grains, and if you mix grains and milk together, it's pretty good. <laughs> and so, it's uh, rather than hunting and gathering, you know, somebody from the wild has come to live with you. Hmm? And this is a meeting point. The cows are like a meeting point. Domestic animals, and the, the principle of which is a cow, is a meeting point between the the an- animal world and and the human world that, that turns animals into humans. It turns the hunters and gatherers, which are more similar to the animals, into humans in that they're tame. Hmm? You want to civilize them, it means you want to tame them. Girl meets boy, boy becomes tamed. <laughs> train him up, you know. There's a little mother in every lover, you know. <laughs> train this guy up. <laughs> so, so, civilization means kind of a training, you know. So, so the so the <laughs> forgive me, but it's true. So, and I'm not married, so, but I know. Most of the men are They know. So, <laughs> so, so, so the mother cow, right? She civilizes is the mankind, the humankind, really, uh, men and women. And provides in abundance. It turns, turns a, t- a two-legged animal, dvipadapashu, hmm? uh, into a two-legged human being as a caretaker. Now, so he was a hunter. In the forest, there's only hunting. And while you're hunting, the reason that you're hunting is because someone is hunting you. Or at least you look over the shoulder. Hmm? So as you move away from the hunting with the help, the virtue of the help of the, of, of the cow, then you bring some of the wild to you and she's tameable and so forth and you get, you're, you're not being hunted to the same extent, right? It's a little more peaceful. Now you've got time to think about something besides food and you've got more, got more food and uh, you don't wake up every morning, I've got to go find some food. It's right there. So there's time to think about something else, right? higher things. That is what civilization is about as well. Uh, not just the bodily concerns, but if my, and my bodily concerns will be well met by the cow in the field. Hmm? Really, they will. We know that in modern society more so than by the animal slaughter. We'll have more to share food-wise um, through uh, agriculture. Hmm. So, uh, so who civilizes who? I mean, who tames who? Is it the cow taming humanity or humanity taming the cow? It's the reason to believe that the cow actually domesticated the human society and brought us civilization. Hmm? Um, of course, from, from agrarian, uh, from hunting and gathering to an agrarian lifestyle, all in search of food, in, in, initially, if we can go, we've gone to an industrial society and I wouldn't look at that necessarily as a progression. Hmm. There are, there's more food, but it's, um, most of it's not worth eating. Uh, um, and, and some of it is the very domestic animals that civilize us. So how civilized is, is it? It's a, it's a big show. It's a whole show it's a, of, of progress, as if time moves in a narrow, straight, always going further and further ahead that there's an illusion of eternal uh, progress that ignores 
often the downsides that are huge that come from um, um, this idea of of progress. If and if it is at the cost of what might be thought of as the superstitious ideas we concern ourselves with here, hmm, that include the idea that there's actually a self. That reason actually matters. There's actually a right and a wrong. Is that all superstitious? <laughs> that's what that's what modern industrial uh, civilization with too much time on its hands. Agrarian-based life gives time on your hands, but not too much. You have to milk every morning and evening. Right? You've got to be there. Hmm? The goal of industrial civilization is, is, to, is to have to do nothing. Hmm? So that, that do things faster so that you can, with your mind, you can just think up newer and newer ways to tweak the basic ingredients of, the, uh, of matter hmm? to do in a glorified way the things that you were already doing earlier, whatever it is, eating, sleeping, mating, defending, defending with nuclear bombs now. How great, what a progress, for example. Hmm? So, and then with the thinking, the thinking in modern philosophy has, has turned to predominantly ideas of, uh, such, such as the, there is only physical matter, that's only reality. Even, even minds don't really exist, ontologically speaking. What to speak of selves? Hmm? There's no ontologically rooted right or wrong. Hmm? It's just physical things interacting with their own motion and inertia and whatever. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but uh, kinetic energy. Remember that one. Uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, no meaning or purpose there. Uh, so, of course, obviously, if there's no ontologically rooted right or wrong thing to do, there's no ontologically rooted right way to think either. So it makes rational discourse absurd to begin with if that's the premise on which you begin. I'm going to argue that there... You might as well say, I'm going to argue that there's no purpose to, uh, there, there, there's no right or wrong reasoning. <laughs> okay, well, argue with somebody else, you know. Uh, and you want to play it out as if it's an argument whether God exists. You're really arguing whether reasoning has any value, matter, uh, any, any, is any right or wrong in an absolute sense reasoning. Do you understand? So there's no right and wrong action. Well, then there's no right or wrong reason either, which makes discourse absolutely absurd, right? It doesn't matter if I just start babbling. It really doesn't. <laughs> so what's the purpose of the debate? Why disguise it as a debate whether there's God or not? Why don't we just make a debate whether there's reasoning that it really matters in any absolute sense? Who will attend? Hmm? Right? So this is, um, this is the problem of uh, predominant uh, thinking materialism. Call it physicalism, naturalism. Modern society, and, and it, 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 there's no, there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong thought. In an absolute sense, there's no self. There's no meaning. There's no purpose to life. Hmm? So this is, I would say, this is a, this is a loss. And to call such thinking 
that there is a right and wrong uh, superstitious is a really a painting with a with a, the the theistic uh, perspective with a very broad uh, brush without looking very carefully at it. It's it's philosophically, it's theologically uh, illiterate hmm? and impoverished, really impoverished, to relegate the entire edifice of the human society's religious history, theology, the sacrifices of men and women, the sainthood, the 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 the, the, the supernatural displays of of harnessing the the human passions. Hmm? That's ex- that's supernatural. He has no lust. Whoa. Hmm? He has no greed. No avarice. I mean, that's that's to go from humanity, from animality to humanity, from humanity to spirituality, which we say is what human life affords us the opportunity to do and makes it worth living. Hmm? What does Bhagavatam say? Um, in the first canto, Kamasya nindriya pritila bojivete avata jivasya tattva jignasu nartu yascheha karmabhi that kamasya na indriya priti life should not be lived simply for indriya priti love of the senses should never be lived human life should never be lived just for love of the senses and that's what's going on on the TV on the internet love the senses and there are different ways to do it (laughs) there's ways to be more full and complete hmm through new means of 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 of, of sense indulgence, hmm? basically, kama sinindriyapiti labojivitayabat jivasya tattva jignasu. Rather, human life should be lived because it gives you the chance to inquire about the nature of the atma. What is its potential? Hmm? In human life, we we have the question. Why? Why do we have it? Hmm? How can a why question arise out of matter, out of physical matter? Do we ever expect inanimate matter to ask a question? Why? Purpose? Value? Hmm? Should we think, or is it reasonable to think that matter somehow randomly configures itself hmm? in an evolutionary sense, let's say, to ask a question, why? That contradicts the very premise of evolution, which is that which evolves is already present in a, in a more primitive form in that which it, which it evolved from. It's a continuum. It's not like evolution is going on and all of a sudden there's some completely new, absolutely different thing that comes. Everything that's thought to evolve is already there in a prim- more primitive stage, Hmm? Um, previously, well, the why question, purpose, meaning, value, that the, the experiential life, that I, that I have qualitative experiences and so forth. This is just like there's nothing like that. Hmm? It's completely. I mean, how different is experience from non-experience? If there's matter that is non-experiential, 
It's not experiencing itself, whatever that is. Hmm? Right? Someone asked me, what's the most profound experience you've had? And I said at one point, that I experience. That's profound. <laughs> that makes me different than everything that I see out there. What's out there and who's viewing it, they're really different. Hmm? They work together in some ways, but they're different. There's the, there's the Maya Shakti and there's the Jiva Shakti. Hmm? They're different. Hmm? Non-experience, tell me if I'm wrong, doesn't come out of non-experience. That's a pretty, pretty well thought out idea. Hmm? So, as much as uh, we're just kind of on a tangent here, but the, the industrial society is, has led us down this, this path in the name of a more complete, fulfilled, robust, happy life. I cited last night my visit uh, by invitation to a Mennonite ceremony nearby, which I went to the night before. found it very uh, rewarding. And uh, uh, the Mennonite community had a recital with the kids of the different age groups saying different songs about, my goal is heaven, and it was really nice. But the main point that I drew from it, that I came away with it from, is these people are living in this world with the overriding conviction hmm, that permeates everything they do. The overriding conviction that this world is not our real home. Hmm? I mean, that really changes the equation of how you look at things. Hmm? It's not our real home. Our home is in heaven. We're living here only to go to heaven. That's what we're doing. Hmm? And there's a way to do it, and you know, you, whatever that is in their, their tradition and so forth. But they're really living that. They're really living that. They have no televisions. Can you imagine? No, no internet. Hmm? No, uh, they don't. They're not. They don't know who the president is. Wouldn't that be a relief? <laughs> I mean, make it easy on yourself. You know, <laughs> unplug a, a little bit. It's it's it's. Uh, it can be. It can be. Uh, you can find more time, and you can have find higher things to think about. Hmm? Greater prospects in life, hmm? rather than just a rehash or rework. The basic ingredients of the Maya Shakti. Look within itself. Find, I am a Jiva Shakti, and Jiva Shakti has potential to love in connection with the Swarup Shakti, in connection with Bhakti, to exceed its own capacity to be uh, to to experience Ananda, from Atmananda to Bhakti Ananda. Hmm? So, agrarian society, it can it 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 uh, it's a kind of the Gandhian uh, idea that. Let us extend the capacity of a man or woman to work in such a way that it doesn't put anybody out of work. Hmm? Now we're extending the capacity to work by technology with the threat of putting everybody out of work. You understand? Uh, you create robots to make it easier so that you don't have to work, but you may be out of work people are being put out of work um, by what's her name you know on the cell phone who's it, it could have been so 
What's her name? Siri. Siri. <laughs> I mean, she's a nice, nice gal. Yeah. <laughs> and all. She's just doing her job. <laughs> we put her up to it. <laughs> but uh, this guy, this is a threat in modern society that robots that we create will take over the work field hmm, and as a result take over our lives. Our biggest, the biggest threat in modern society is, um, is artificial intelligence. Hmm? That's the biggest threat. <laughs> Pardon me? And, uh, well, he's got artificial intelligence. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard that. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't vote. But <laughs> so. <laughs> unreal. Yeah, it's unreal. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the problem. The problem with artificial intelligence is that it's artificial, hmm? so it doesn't have pause hmm? to think um, uh, and capacity to pause and think. What are the consequences of my action? Hmm? There are considerable advances, of course, in um, in this uh, field of artificial intelligence, but the learned people have concluded that the advances that we've made in comparison to the ideal. What's the ideal of, of artificial intelligence in the field? Is to create a human being, a fully functional human being. So the progress is said to be like that of those who would like to touch the moon and have come closer by climbing a tree. Hmm? You should get it, you know, don't be, don't, don't buy the propaganda of of the, the promoters of artificial intelligence that we're just on the verge of, that you're only a robot and we're just about to prove it by, and, and even if you did, I would say, if you made a perfect, you really created a human being by so-called artificial intelligence, proving, I guess, that intelligence is artificial, it would only be perfect if it then started to question hmm, whether there was meaning and purpose, and here we go, we start all over again, you know, so. Uh, in other words, if you just prove there's really no purpose, there's no there's no God or anything, we have made. You don't really do away with God. You just put your place in the yourself in the place of God. Hmm? We have made the a perfect human being. So if he's perfect, she's perfect, really, then she's going to wonder about why am I? What is my purpose? And 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 have doubts about such. Hmm? That's part of human life. You know, you know, they used to say in old times, "There's no, there's no atheist in the foxhole." You know, there's modern versions of it too. Hmm? Uh, uh, every religious person has a doubt, hmm? <laughs> and every atheistic person has a doubt too. If you become a spiritual person, a fully spiritual person, experientially, then you could say you have no doubts. You're living on the strength of your experience. To the extent that we're living and pursuing our spiritual life on the basis of theory and philosophy and good reasoning and example of others and so forth, we may have some doubts. That's why we have a guru. That's why I say, what should we do with regard to the guru? We should sit in front of the guru and doubt. That's what we should do. We should doubt. Because that's what we do anyway. We have doubts. So sit in front of somebody who might be able to answer them. And if she can't, then find another guru. <laughs> Find someone who can r remove your doubts. Hmm? 
and of course, the 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 the, the, the idea here is to remove them in a in a comprehensive way, so that you can arrive at a kind of knowing, at which you will feel there's no need to know anything else. Hmm? This is comprehensive knowing, not just collecting a bunch of information and facts, but I feel there's no need to know anything else. I know by experience myself hmm? to be different from matter. And in the context of bhakti, if we have that kind of a guru, I know I have a prospect to experience the the joy of being, if you will, uninhibited by a mind uh, and, uh, and a body. Hmm? To a measure that uh, is uh, well to the to the nth degree, bhakti ananda far exceeds atmananda. Loving the self is one thing; loving Krishna, the supreme self, that's another thing. And and uh, so spake, so spoke, so spoke, Sukadev, right? The principal narrator of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? He's telling us that the end of learning. Hmm? Uh, this is a, this is a, Bhagavatam is a is a pretty pretty big book as far as education goes. He said if you haven't studied the Bhagavatam, you haven't gotten education. And when you realize that you don't understand the Bhagavatam, then you've understood the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Um, and what it's about, it's a, it gives a very well-reasoned argument against, as to, I should say, the limits of reasoning. It dethrones reasoning, reasoning from the altar that some people put it on. You know, in the hierarchy of matter, according to the Sankhya philosophy, that we embrace in a theistic sense, there is matter, sense objects, there are senses, there's a mind, there's an intelligence. So it's a more subtle uh, uh, manifestations of matter. So as you go up the ladder and you arrive at intelligence, the distinctions there between matter and consciousness are, 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 are more blurred, hmm? right? So it's 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 easier to it's easy to identify with intelligence as a way of knowing, be, being comprehensive, and so forth. If someone says, "I think you're a little overweight," it might be one thing. But if someone says you're stupid and insults your intelligence, you get more riled up. You're more identified. The identification is more subtle, but it's more grounded. Hmm? Uh, you have a body, you identify with it, but the identification is coming from the subtle realm. So when the subtle realm, which includes intellect, for example, mind is insulted, if I say to you, you say, I'm sick, I say, well, here's some pills. You say, are they herbs or whatever? Say, They're natural, you might say, say, yeah, you know, say, okay, uh, this might be good. Hmm? If I say to you, you know, you got a mental problem, you, you might not, it's not going to go down as easy. And somebody says, really? No kidding. <laughs> what is it? You know, <laughs> it doesn't work like that <laughs> for the most part. Some women really want to work on themselves. That's good, but um, it's harder for the guys sometimes. But it's important. But right there, you go. He's now set. Right. So, uh, so point being only that the identification are with matter as. As the, the, the structure of or the hierarchy of matter is more subtle, it's more it's difficult to make a distinction between myself and my intelligence. We we know by by you know this by 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 intellect reasoning 
we're knowing. And, and the Bhagavatam is teaching us there's a way of knowing that far exceeds reasoning. Hmm? It advocates this gyan shunya bhakti, bhakti unencumbered by reasoning, by knowledge, that is what? Expressed and manifest in cow herding, really. Hmm? That's what it comes to. Hmm? If we want to say, what is, this, what is the king of knowledge? What is the most uh, uh, king of secrets? It's rag bhakti, as we said from the Gita. And it, it comes to, and, and how do you, what does it look like? It looks like herding cows. That's what it looks like. Hmm? Huh? And interacting with them. The gopis are also cow people. They're not, you know, they're also country bumpkins, not just the coward boys. <laughs> they're carrying the yogurt on their head and so forth, you know. So uh, they're, they're, they're portrayed, if you will, as uneducated people, but they're really ex- examples of or exhibiting this, this idea of gyan shunya bhakti, of, of knowing, a kind of knowing that transcends the, the knowing that we could arrive at through reasoning, which will never be comprehensive in the sense it will never satisfy um, the self. Hmm? Um, so, uh, so there is, uh, in a roundabout way, I was explained, some correspondence between education and cowherding, in as much as cowherding, properly understood from the Bhagavatam perspective, where we find Krishna as a cowherder, is the depiction of knowledge and knowing that constitutes the king of education, the king of knowledge, the most secret of all uh, secrets, and it's love. Uh-huh. In Gopal Tapani, it, it, it's, it, uh, I forget the phrase, I did a commentary on that, but uh, the gopis, gopi, 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 the word is explained as, as being the end of, of knowledge. So these are not ordinary girls. Hmm? We know that. Right? How do we know? You said yes. How do we know? We know because they came to speak to us. Right? Have you ever heard a gopi speak? Hmm? Do gopis write books? Apparently they do. Right? <laughs> Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Das Goswami. We're just reading his, we just concluded in our morning readings his Mukta Charit. Hmm? Hmm? He's the guru of Krishna Das, Kaviraj, who wrote Chaitanya Charitamrita. You know what he says at the end of the book? I pray that I could forever live in Vrindavan in the association of Krishna Das. The guru is saying, my disciple, by whose strength I've been able to write this book. We want to be such a disciple that our guru gets strength from us. Prabhupada spoke about this, didn't he, in Bhagavatam, when Dhruva Maharaj stepped on the head of death and entered the Vaikuntha airplane, right? And took his... But he, but he said, I'm not going without my mom, hmm? who was his guru. Because when he asked, I want to get a kingdom that's bigger than who? than Brahma's, something like that. She said, if you want a kingdom that's bigger than Brahma's, which is the biggest kingdom, I mean, he's the manager of the whole world, for God's sake, <laughs> And you've got the Brahma Loka. If you want a kingdom bigger than his, where are you going to go? You've got to go to the forest and talk to the sadhus who appear to have no kingdom whatsoever. Hmm? But who have the capacity, as it was said about property in their heart, 
to build a house that the whole world could live in. What kind of house is that? It's not a physical house. It's a subjective, meditative, internal house. And that's the real world. The physical world comes out of the mental world. And if our mental world is preoccupied with the physical world, we're not taking advantage of it as a tool. If we use the mind, Gita says, the mind is the friend and enemy. Because this is this junction here. Yoga is about using the mind to enter into the into the subjective, super-subjective, meditative world where everything is possible. Hmm? Some people say, well, it's just in your mind. It depends. If what's in your mind is just some 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 preoccupation with matter, it, it may not be uh, so important. But if it's 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 using the mind in yoga, hmm? if you can, if as a result of using your mind, you can live without matter. He wanted a kingdom bigger than Brahma. She said, "Well, go to the sages. They don't have any kingdom. How am I going to learn about getting a kingdom from them? They got nothing. They're living under a tree." Hmm? Oh no, the world is within. Hmm? What, uh, and I never read it, but I've heard it, this verse, what profiteth a man if he should gain the whole world, talk to the Mennonites, but at the cost of his, his self, right? Hmm? Yeah. His soul. His soul, yeah, his soul. Hmm? His, his mother was, gave him really good spiritual advice. He thought, okay, I'm going to go find the kingdom now. Fantastic. I'm not sure about my mom's advice, but anyway, you know, mother knows best, so I'll try it. That doesn't really... I have faith in her, but the logic of it isn't clear to me because I'm looking for a big kingdom, uh, and she's telling me to go to guys who live under trees. So there he went, of course, and there he met Narda. Narda's always around, right? Narda Muni Bajai Vinara Narda gave him the mantra, and he took his advice, and what did he find? He, he, he found, he entered the kingdom of Vishnu. Hmm? He said, I was looking for a broken piece of glass, and I found a valuable jewel. And the Vaikuntha chariot came to take him away. Hmm? Once I was sitting with Pujapat Sridharmarsh on his veranda, and he said, and I had the experience of what they're talking about in the Bhagavatam, of Vaikuntha airplanes coming. Hmm? And I felt that I was taken over entirely and lifted up by another wave of visible force, taken taken to the other side. Hmm? So he was talking about it in a kind of a figurative sense. So Bhagavatam helping us who are preoccupied with the physical world to put it in the kind of physical examples Hmm? Don't expect a Vaikuntha helicopter to land on your roof exactly. <laughs> it's not going to be exactly like that. But anyway, he stepped on the head of death, is the point. Hmm? Um, who rules over all kingdoms, right? Therefore, Krishna says in the Gita, what? Abrahma Arjuna, he said, even if you go to the planet of Brahma, just the thought, he said, 
You can't stay there. Hmm? But, let me offer for your consideration the fact that in my abode, residence is permanent. There's no falling from there. Hmm? Hmm? This is the kind of wisdom that Dhruva's mother offered him, and he realized it in the end. Hmm? As he stepped on the head of death to enter the Vaikuntha plane, he said, Whoa, I'm not going without my mom. And Prabhupada writes, So I'm hoping that my disciples will deliver me from, from material existence by their good example. I can't tell you how pleasing it is to see a student advance. It's 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 to see them actually progress and embrace the teachings and and what to speak of. It's just it's so it's so gratifying. It's like you're making spiritual advancement yourself because they are extensions of your very self. And by contrast, when we hear hear that they have they're going backwards, it's very painful. Hmm. It's uh, uh, Pujapat Sridhar once said with regard to the idea that sometimes um, floated that the guru takes on the karma and suffers the karma of, for the in the karma of the disciples. He said, mm, kind of like their suffering is like that the disciples aren't making advancement and they haven't been able to do enough to help them. They feel like that. They suffer some kind of maybe some kind of paradukaduki kupambudhi. Hmm? This is the Vaishnava. He, she has no sorrow for themselves, but for sorrow for others. Hmm? So, here, anyway, we have. there's more to discuss, but we've gone on for some time and, and haven't gotten too far with it, but point being that the Poganda Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is centered on his education. Krishna Leela is centered on cowherding, and the two are not so far apart, actually. Hmm? Cows are worshipable hmm? for material reasons and for spiritual reasons, not a superstition. As I said, they actually bring much to... They civilize the humans, the hunters and gatherers, from the modern perspective even. And uh, and in that sense, they're venerable, worshipable. If you love someone, uh, they'll tell you all their secrets. So if you, if you have a respectful and worshipful and gratitude grateful approach to nature hmm? this is Hinduism you honor the trees and the, and and the, and the cows and other domestic animals for their for their contribution you show the gratitude then you can you can learn things that you wouldn't know otherwise hmm? you can learn things there's a kind of a bovine therapy that we're involved in here yoga Mayan Hans avatar they have a uh, a nice property nearby, and they have uh, several, many, fourteen horses that they have kind of saved. I guess you would call it a horse saving, uh, horse rescue enterprise. Hmm? And uh, in the context of doing that, they have learned about equine therapy. I thought it was therapy for horses, but it's it's using horses as therapy for humans. Hmm? So I thought there must be a bovine therapy. <laughs> And then I thought, that's Krishna consciousness. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's it. It works really well. Uh, so, anyway, the, 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 pre, the preoccupation of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with his education is uh, synonymous with the preoccupation of Krishna with cow herding. And as much as Nanda Maharaj resisted, hmm, 
Um, so Jagannath Mishra at some point resisted as well. He resisted the education of his son because, because why? Hmm. In uh, in Krishna's Pogonda Lila, Balaram, of course, plays a, a prominent role. Hmm. And um, this could this could take us another while. <laughs> Maybe we should to be continued. How's that? Tomorrow morning we'll continue. We said a lot here. So who would be here tomorrow morning? Who won't be here? Don't dare raise your hand. Right. Oh, you live here. Oh, okay. That's still be, that's cow service. You'll be here. Your bovine therapy. Yeah, you're, you're sharing the bovine therapy with the with the public. Very good. Hmm. So, a so, few thoughts, uh, beginning thoughts about the Pagandali of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Shri Krishna Chandra ki jai, Gorada Madhava ki jai, Gornitananda ki jai, Daji Gopal ki jai, Shri Gore Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Sri Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai, Shri Bhakti Rakak Dev Goswami Maharaj ki jai, Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada ki jai. Bhakti Vinod Paribar ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi, Banchakalpa Tarubyas Chakripa Sindhu Vyevacha, Patitanam Pabhanevi Vaishnavivinamuna Maha, Anantakoti Vaishnav Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi, Gaur. Bhakti Vinod Tashupurai Swami.